it's not uncommon to hear of innocent people being brutally murdered. Uh, but every now and again, we hear of a situation that is particularly heartbreaking and sickening. It wasn't very long ago that Hannah Baxter and her three children were set alight in their car and the news has moved on. But there's still a family and a community that is in pain and grieving. Uh, and what makes this murder so harrowing is not just the age and the innocence of the victims, but the fact that the perpetrator was the one person who should have loved and delighted in them the most. It really was the most dreadful tragedy. And we need to understand that the crucifixion of Jesus is the greatest tragedy that the world has ever known. Yes, it was God's plan. Yes, Jesus went willingly to his death. Yes, it made forgiveness and everlasting life possible for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. But it was still a tragedy. At the creator of the universe being nailed to a cross by those whom he had lovingly created. Almighty God, Israel's God, was sentenced to death by those who should have loved him and delighted in him the most. We'll get to the glorious victory of Easter. But today on Good Friday, we need to see this for what it is. It's a monumental tragedy. And it's one that highlights the root cause of all that is wrong in the world. The world hates God. The world is in rebellion against God, and when given the opportunity, the world crucified God. But in the midst of this grotesque plot, we can discern the truth, and even more so because we know how this story ends. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And throughout this story, there's a, a shrill, cruel, malicious voice that screams a poisonous lie. It's the voice of the religious leaders, and it accuses Jesus of being a troublesome, malevolent, blasphemous upstart who deserves nothing more than a cruel and painful death. But the story of the passion that John tells so vividly gives us a series of grisly reminders of Jesus's true identity. As we read the facts of this story, we can see through the shroud of evil. The lie is exposed and the truth comes to the fore. A truth that is completely vindicated by the resurrection of Jesus. But even at this stage, it's there for all to see. But let's just remind ourselves that the truth is seen and heard throughout John's gospel in the most unexpected ways. In chapter 11, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest who wanted Jesus dead more than anyone, said this. He said, it's better that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. And what he meant by this is uh, this Jesus is going to get us into a lot of trouble. He's going to uh, spark, he's going to trigger an insurrection and the Romans will come down with an iron fist and destroy Jerusalem. Uh, but unwittingly, he revealed exactly why Jesus had to die. Not according to his plan, but according to God's plan. So we come back to the passion narr narrative and the first truth that hits us is Jesus's innocence. The Jews wanted to kill Jesus, but under Roman law, they weren't allowed to do that. They couldn't execute people. So they took Jesus to the Roman procurator, Pontius Pilate. And Pilate was by no means a just or compassionate man, uh, but it was plain to him that Jesus hadn't done anything to deserve death. In chapters 18 and 19, three times Pilate says, I find no basis for a charge against him. Three times Jesus is declared innocent, not by his disciples, but by a callous and unscrupulous Roman governor. 
Jesus is innocent, but more than that, he's the only person who ever lived who is entirely innocent. He's the only person who never did anything wrong. The next truth to confront us is that Jesus is the king of the Jews. Uh, After they flogged Jesus with a whip that had bits of lead and bone woven into each thong, they put a a crown of thorns on Jesus' head and wrapped a purple cloak around his shoulders. And they mocked him, jeered at him, they slapped him, they spat at him, they pushed him around. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. And again, we hear the truth from the most unlikely source, a group of derisive soldiers. Jesus was indeed the King of the Jews. He was their long-awaited Messiah. But the people didn't want a messianic king like Jesus. They wanted a military leader who would send the Romans packing. And and so they failed to recognize Jesus. They refused to recognize him in spite of uh, his wisdom, love and compassion, in spite of all the miracles that he performed, in spite of all the prophecies that he fulfilled. Jesus was not the kind of king that they wanted. But Jesus was and is their king, a king who was prepared to suffer and die for a bunch of disloyal and rebellious subjects. That's our king. Next, we see that Jesus is the son of God. The Jewish leader said to Pilate, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. In other words, Jesus claimed to be equal to God. And verse 8 says that when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Elsewhere in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If you know me, you know the Father. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. I wonder, would it be possible to be face to face with Jesus, particularly at this point in his life, and not see something of his true identity? Pilate was afraid. And with good reason. Another truth that this narrative reveals is that the religious leaders chose the wrong king. Uh, Look at verse 15. It says, shall I crucify your king? Pilate said, we have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. It's telling, isn't it? They don't say we have no king but God. They say we have no king but Caesar. They hated Caesar and all that he stood for, but they'd rather align themselves with Caesar than give their allegiance to Jesus. But if we choose any king beside Jesus, we are, in fact, choosing darkness over light. The religious leaders chose their king. They chose Caesar. And it was Caesar, not Tiberius Caesar, but Vespasian, who ordered the destruction of Jerusalem by his son Titus in AD 70, less than 40 years after the religious leaders chose Caesar. Caesar destroyed them. They chose the wrong king. We've already seen that Jesus is the king of the Jews, but he's more than that. Jesus is a king for everyone. And this truth is actually revealed by Pontius Pilate. The sign above Jesus' head read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But it was written in three languages. It was written in Aramaic, which was the local dialect. That's the language that Jesus would have spoken. It was written in Latin, which was the official language of the Roman Empire. And it was written in Greek, which was the language of the world, much the same as English is uh, widely spoken today. The Jews weren't happy with that sign. They wanted it changed. 
Uh, but Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Now, Pilate was just having a dig at them, but by putting the sign into three languages, the unintended message, unintended by Pilate, but intended by God, is that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is the saviour of the whole world. Those languages covered the whole of the known world. If you spoke one of those languages, uh, then Jesus is your saviour. Jesus is your king. Jesus is a king for everyone, not just the Jews. The truth of Jesus' identity cannot be hidden, not even by this scandalous sequence of events. He's not just innocent, he's perfect. Jesus is the King of the Jews, the Son of God, the King we must choose. And he is the King for all people, at all times and in all places. And this mighty King hung on a cross, on a cross in agony and uttered the words, I'm thirsty. 